Welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights, a podcast about making sense of the Hebrew Bible. I'm Matthew Delaney. Today I'm trying a different type of episode. I'm going to read a short passage of the Hebrew Bible in Hebrew and in English and give insights. So whether you know uh, a lot of Hebrew, some or none at all, it really doesn't matter. This is for people who uh, you just enjoy listening to the sound of the Hebrew language or if you're trying to learn Hebrew and uh, and you want to hear more of the language to practice, or if you already know a lot of Hebrew, but you don't know many people that you can actually read the Hebrew Bible with, this type of episode will be great. After each verse, I'll read the, the he- not only the Hebrew, but I'll also read the English, so everyone can follow along regardless of where we're at. And then I'll just share some insights. Now, obviously, as I read the Bible, I'm sure many things will come to your mind. And really the purpose of this is you're on a car drive, you're working out, you're doing some chores, and we just want to listen to the Bible together. And then maybe hear a few thoughts that I have for whatever they're worth. And in the same way you might listen to an audio English Bible, I'll still give you the English. Uh, I'll give you the English standard version for this episode, but I'll also give you the Hebrew for you to hear what it sounds like. So today, I wanted to do something from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, a book I also really like. It's such a great book. And I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 12. It is a classic chapter in the Hebrew Bible. It's one that is referenced so many times. In fact, growing up with my dad, he was a Bible teacher for many years. He loves Genesis chapter 12. I have heard so many talks about the faith of Abraham. Uh, so this this story right here in Genesis 12 is indelibly marked on me. Uh, But actually, probably even a better memory from my parents is they were always big on telling us that uh, you are blessed to be a blessing. And that's always stuck with me. And that's been one of the guideposts of my life. And I'm so thankful to them for that. And uh, we get this idea from Genesis chapter 12, where we have God finds a person named Abraham. And he says, I'm going to bless you, but through you, everyone is going to be blessed. So I think there's a really great practical truth there to learn, um, to remember that we aren't blessed because of our own doing, but because of what God does in our life. And although we enjoy the blessing, it's ultimately for other people, whatever type of blessing that is, whether we have certain opportunities or people in our life, uh, we grow up in a certain area, we have certain money, career, whatever it is, we're blessed to be a blessing. So anyway, this is a great chapter, but what we're going to get to is the end of this chapter. It's a short one. It's only 20 lines. And these 20 lines, we don't just have God calling Abraham to be a part of this epic mission. We have a plot twist. And it's a plot twist I find that most people have never heard about. They don't even know about this plot twist. And it's for this very reason that many people find the Bible boring. Even when we want it to be exciting, we find that the only way to make it exciting is to find some secret golden nugget of information and wisdom. But if we actually just step back and read this as a great narrative, it actually is that, which makes sense. That's why the Hebrew Bible is so important. It's an epic narrative, obviously, that leads to Jesus. But in its own right, it's amazing literature. So I'm going to share with you an insight from someone later on in this episode that she's forever changed the way that I read Genesis chapter 12, and it's helped me to see the overall trajectory of where Genesis is going. For any story to be great, you obviously, you need a compelling character, you need an interesting plot, but there's got to be a problem really soon, really early that pulls us in. It's what creates intrigue and interest. How is the the plot going to continue? How are we going to reach the goal? How are we going to reach the target of what we're trying to do? So uh, in Genesis chapter 12 is written like an amazing story. 
because very quickly after we are given a target and a goal with some characters, we quickly run into a problem, but it's one that I find most people don't notice, and neither did I until uh, Ellen Davis and I read her book. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I'm just going to read Genesis chapter 12, uh, just 20 verses. I'm going to read in Hebrew, and then in English, a quick note is I use a modern Hebrew pronunciation. So if you're learning biblical Hebrew uh, and you haven't done modern Hebrew before, you might use a slightly different pronunciation system. Totally fine. Just be aware that there might be some some, uh, slight differences. So let's go ahead and dive in. We'll start at verse 1. Vayom Adonai el Avram, lech lecha. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham went as the Lord had told him and lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Vaikach Avram et Sarai ishto, v'et Lot ben Achiv, v'et kol rechusham asher rachashu, v'et anefesh asher asu becharan, v'yetzu lalechet arza kena'an, v'yavou arza kena'an. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Vayavo Avram ba'aretz ad mekom shechem ad Elon more ve'akna'ani az ba'aretz. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of More. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Vayera Adonai el Avram, Vayomer, Lezaracha eten et haaretz azot, Vayiven sham mizbeach la Adonai, Hanir e elav. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Vayatek misham hahara, mikedem levet el, Vayet oholo, bet el, miyam, from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Vahi ra'av ba'aretz, vayered Avram mitzrayma, lagur sham, ki chaved ha'ra'av ba'aretz. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Vahi ka'asher hikriv lavo mitzrayma, vayoma el sarai ishto, hinena, yadati ki isha yefat mar'e'at. 
When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. This is only 20 lines of text. There's a lot we could say about uh, this story. There's no way I could say it all, and there are probably a lot of thoughts you have, and I wish I could get to hear them. Uh, But I'm just going to point out a few things I find interesting. The first is really important, where God says, I'm going to bless you, and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So whenever you're doing um, hiring for a job or you are wanting to get hired at a job, we, ought, we have to think about, okay, what, what, is, what is the employer looking for? I used to be a kid's pastor, so an analogy I'll give is if we were hiring a kid's pastor, what is a really important quality you're looking for in a possible kid's pastor? Now, there are a lot we could say, but one that's a non-negotiable is you have to love kids. I mean, if you're a kid's pastor and don't love kids, that's a huge problem. Uh, so with Abraham, if God's saying through you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. What is a non-negotiable for Abraham? He's got to be a family person, someone who loves families. That's a really important point to pick up on. After the blessing, he moves into the land of Canaan. God appears to him, reminds him of the promise. He sets up an altar, really special, but then there's a famine. And so he goes to Egypt. So at this point in the story, now that he's going to Egypt, this is actually a really exciting part of the story because we know that God has said, hey, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And we have a story where now Abraham is going to Egypt. Why is this significant? If you want to make a big splash in 
the world. You're not going to go to a small city or a little town. Now, to be clear, if we're talking about God's calling in our life, you go where he calls you, um, and whatever he calls you, that's what's great. In fact, we should do another episode about comparing Genesis 11 to 12 and this whole idea of what does it mean that something is great. We'll talk about that another time. But I think you understand what I'm saying. If, if you really, if someone wanted to become really famous, really popular, like in America, you know, you go to LA, you go to New York City, you go to one of these really big places. And that's what Egypt was of the ancient world. Egypt in the ancient Near East was huge, a dominant area. And so what we're expecting is, here's Abraham. He's going to a place where there's a lot of families. He's going to one of the biggest centers of the world. And so we're expecting something great is going to happen. But what happens instead? We find this really, um, what's the right word to describe this? Let's just put it directly. Abraham, he is an absolute wuss. We learn that Abraham uh, is very afraid, and we find that he asks his wife to lie on his own behalf because Abraham doesn't have the guts to do his own dirty work. We find about Abraham that he, he, he has his own wife lie for him, that she's his sister, and what follows here, again, we need to know ancient culture. This isn't as weird as it seems to modern, maybe modern American listeners. Uh, but we have this whole deal where, okay, you get you want my sister as your wife? Okay, then you give me things for that. And Abraham gets really rich off of this lie that his wife lies about for him to Pharaoh. Pharaoh takes her in uh, into his house, and she's going to become his wife. And Abraham leaves. This is so offensive. What has Abraham done? So what do we learn about Abraham through this part of this story? What I'm about to point out to you is not something I saw myself. This is something that someone named Ellen Davis pointed out to me. She's a professor at Duke, I believe, still. And she has a great book called Opening Israel's Scriptures. I can't recommend it enough. And she takes you through each book of the Bible, and she shares wonderful insights. So uh, I'm going to read a couple lines from this. Here's what we find is we find that right after Abraham is called, there's a problem. And by the way, that makes for a great story. So what do we learn? Here's how she puts it. As soon as Abraham is charged to embody blessing, the narrative takes a turn that indicates he is not yet capable of doing that, even for his own family. If Abraham is supposed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth, yet he can't even love his own wife, how is he capable of doing this mission that God has called him to do. Now, at this point in the podcast, this sounds like a pretty depressing, sad, convicting message. Um, and in a way, it has those overtones, but there's hope in this story still. I want to make sure that we get to. But as we finish the rest of the story with with, with Abraham and, and Sarah, we see that God sends plagues on Egypt. Yes, Exodus is not the first book where plagues on Egypt happen. In fact, uh, the word nega is one of the words, it means like a strike. Uh, and it's one of the words used to describe the plagues in Exodus. And God, he's not happy with us. So he sends these plagues on Egypt and he gets Sarah out of there. The Pharaoh was so mad that he was lied to. He said, why would you ever do this to me? He says, I would not have taken her if I had known that she was um, your wife. Why'd you say she was your sister and lied to me so that I took her to be a wife? And then they leave. So at this point in the story, what do we think about Abraham? We, we probably don't think he's qualified. We look at him and think, why would God choose him to do this type of mission? So we learned some things with Abraham here. We learned that Abraham has serious flaws. We learned that he has uh, character attributes that are really bad. In fact, this isn't like some random characteristic. Like think about, let's say, a manager who 
says, oh, you know, I'm managing at this store and everything's really great, but I need to get a little better at my organizational admin skills. Like, yeah, that's important, but this isn't, that's not like a debilitating characteristic. The problem that Abraham has, this is debilitating to the core. This is like a kid's pastor or someone who is called to be a kid's pastor who doesn't even like being around kids. They don't enjoy kids. They'd rather be with adults all the time. It's a serious problem. And whenever we look at this story, we might feel like this is a hopeless situation that isn't good. But I think that isn't the point of this story. Now, this is what I would say is a really great story. Really great stories are honest. They're honest about humanity. They're honest about reality. And of course, the Bible is that kind of story. And I think no matter who we are, there's a time when we look in the mirror and we see a hypocrisy. We look in the mirror and we see something in us that doesn't line up with our calling. It doesn't line up with what we're passionate about. It doesn't line up with the goals we have for personally, for our family, and for a career. Something doesn't line up. And our tendency might be to hide this away and let no one see. Our tendency might be to overdo it in other areas of our life so we just forget about this inconsistency, this incongruency, this hypocrisy in our life. And whenever we do come face to face, we feel like it's over. The story's over, game over. God can't use me. God's not going to use me. Uh, I can't be a part of this grand mission. But that's not the point of the story of our lives. That's not the story of the gospel. And it's also not the story of Abraham. Let me ask you this. Do you think God was surprised when Abraham failed in this story? Do you think God was surprised by this? I mean, imagine this. God has all these, let's say all these angels that are part of his hiring committee. And God says, hey, there's this huge problem on planet Earth. I want to I want to reunite all people unto me to be this one big family again, uh, just as I had envisioned in the beginning. And I'm going to work through a specific person, a specific family. Uh, and they need to be a, a great family person. They need to be able to make impact, maybe make influence. All right, angels, you go out. You start searching. You look through all the earth. Bring me the best candidates. Bring me the best person. And we'll go with that. And then they choose Abraham, and very quickly God realizes, this person's terrible. This person doesn't fit at all. Hey, who was on this hiring committee? Come over here. Yeah, you guys over here. What were you doing? You guys you guys did a terrible job. You're not in the hiring committee anymore. You guys are going to just play harps now on the clouds, okay? I, I can't use you anymore. Was God surprised by this? Of course not. God knows Abraham better than Abraham knows himself. God knows what his deficiencies are, yet he still chose him. Let me read another line from Ellen Davis in her book that she says, Abraham has to grow into the blessing he bears for his own seed, a family that will one day become a people. Likewise, Abraham must grow into his capacity to channel blessing to all the other families of the earth. We see that Abraham, he has to grow into this. And I think God realizes this for us. He knows that we're human. He knows that we, we fall short but that doesn't mean that it's the end of our story. So whenever we come to one of those moments, I think the better response than hiding or just trying to distract ourselves through entertainment or overproductivity is instead just to bring ourselves before God and know that he is already aware of this. And obviously the Holy Spirit works through us to help us grow in these areas as we become more like Christ. We'll never be perfect, but realize that If you ever feel like you're not enough, you ever feel like you fall short in some area, you're not alone. Abraham was the exact same way.
So when I talk about Abraham this way, it might feel like a scandal. We're talking about one of the the quote-unquote faith heroes of the Bible. But this doesn't mean that people are flawless. Uh, This isn't something the biblical authors are trying to hide. This isn't something like I'm sneaking in and twisting the text. The biblical authors, they want you to know right away. They want you to know so quickly, right at the beginning, Abraham has challenges. He has issues. He's just like you and me. They want you to know this. And by the way, it makes for an actually great story that we can relate to. So the problem that most people talk with Abraham is that he and Sarah can't have a, a physical kid. Yes, that is a problem in the story of Genesis. But to me, there's an even bigger problem. It's not them being a biological family. It's them being a real family. If you want to read the rest of Genesis through this lens, I think you'll find Genesis to be a fascinating read and something that's very relevant for the rest of the Hebrew Bible and for our lives. Because the rest of Genesis reads like a television or a movie drama where it's it's not a it's not so much about wars and military escapades or political schemes it's it's a family drama it's a story about siblings it's about parents husbands and wives and the main challenge we see is this will abraham and his descendants will they truly become a family the goal is obviously for them to bless all the other families of the earth but the first more immediate challenge is will they ever become a family themselves. And if they can't become a family themselves, how can they bless others? So this is why we see that Jesus really values family. Family is a huge priority to God. And when Jesus gives the great commission, he says, go to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. The whole reason that's significant is Samaria Samaria basically is the 10 northern tribes of Israel. Judea is the two tribes in the south and Judah, Judah and Benjamin. And they were split for hundreds of years. And God first wanted to reunite that family and then expand the family. And so for those of you that are really passionate about family, whether yours or that of others, know that family is a strong value for God. And it's obviously not an easy thing. It's also not a guaranteed thing. People can make their own choices. Just because we believe things for people doesn't mean they're going to make those choices to our families will be united. In fact, if you read the rest of Genesis, we know God wants this family to be a family. We know he wants them to bless other families, but we see that they fail many times in this. Um, So we shouldn't get too disheartened if we see challenges maybe in our own families or in the families of others that we care about. But it doesn't change one way that we can view our purpose and mission in this world. God wants all people to be in his family, and he also wants us to truly be a family. Think about what Jesus said. He looked to his disciples and he said, by this they will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. One of the greatest ways that I think we can live out our mission and our kingdom purpose is to love our family well and to love the body of Christ well. And when we do that, we're a great um, example to other people. And I don't mean that in some way like, hey, we're better than you guys. Uh, because frankly, there are many people who aren't Christians who they do a better job loving their families than, than Christians do. It's really just, we live a life of love, and I think that's what people are so drawn to and compelled to. And it can be tough. It's a lot easier sometimes to love strangers or to send lo- you know, uh, messages of, of love and joy on social media. It's tough to get into the nitty-gritty details of life uh, and love our family, to love our friends, to love our community. So there's a lot to unpack in this story, 
And this is just one chapter of Genesis. There are a lot of things I'm not seeing in this chapter that I'm sure you are. And um, this is just a few details. And so I think one of the main takeaways is just realizing, one, that if any biblical story doesn't seem interesting, we're probably missing either the purpose or the problem, and we don't know what it is. And what you'll often find is that that the problem is often directly at odds with the purpose, and we're trying to still get there. So God's purpose is he wants all people to be a part of his family. And um, the problem in Genesis 12 is they're not. And so God chooses a person and a family to work through. And he says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But the problem is, is the family he's chosen, the person he's chosen, rather Abraham, he's not even a family man. He's not good with family at all. And so how is this story going to develop and change? So you got to read the rest of Genesis and the rest of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament to see how does this all unfold. So that's Genesis chapter 12 in Hebrew and in English with some insights. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Hebrew Bible Insights, a podcast about making sense of the Hebrew Bible. I'm convinced this, the Hebrew Bible is actually interesting, it's actually engaging, it's actually important. And if this has been a blessing to you, uh, sharing this with friends and other people that you know is great. Leaving reviews, super helpful. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.